hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural episode, the actually the inaugural test episode of the Oregon Parks and Recreation Podcast. Yes, OPRD is doing a podcast and it's hosted by me, Matt Noble. Hello! And yes, if you've never met me before, this is what I sound like. Weird, right? And if you don't know who I am, I work for Communications Division as a Communications Specialist. I write FYI every other week. Hopefully that's how you know who I am. And sometimes I email you about campground brochures or flyers or other fun stuff. But now I'm doing this, which is, as I said, a beta test episode zero of what might be a podcast one day. So you're probably asking yourself, Matt, are you speaking to your phone right now in your bedroom wearing sweatpants? Yes, I am, listener, and I am super comfy. But more importantly, I am super comfortable because we have this cool new tool to communicate with all of you. Because in the times of coronavirus, we needed another way to get critical information to you, our valued staff and volunteers. So the idea of this podcast was born. So if this works, we'll make it cooler and I'll stop talking having to talk into my phone. But if it doesn't, that's cool too. It'll depend on you. So let us know what you think. But in this first test inaugural beta episode, two cool things just for you. First thing, I'm going to run down a brief refresher of COVID-19 updates that have come via email from our incident command team made up of various people in leadership around the state. They send these emails every Friday. Hopefully you've seen them in your inbox, but if you haven't and you're listening to this, I'm going to run down the highlights for you so you know what the deal is, what's been going on, what they've been doing. And the second part of this podcast is about a 35-ish minute interview with uh, Lisa Sumption, our agency director, and MG Devereaux, who is the deputy director of OPRD. I uh, called them over the internet using this sophisticated podcast software, and we chatted about really the state of the agency, what's happening with the whole COVID-19 situation, uh, how are things in the field, how are things in HQ, how realistic is the May 8th uh, projected reopening date for the parks, topics like that. Uh, we we hear it straight from the uh, two uh, highest leaders of the agency. And uh, I found it very informative as just a lowly sort of podcast host, and I hope you will too, so stick around for that. But before that, let's talk about the COVID-19 updates in that brief summary. So overall, things are okay. The parks are closed, which is super weird, but for the most part, the public has been understanding um, we've seen a lot of positive feedback online just from the communications side of things, so that's good. And according to the uh, incident command folks, the uh, actual on the ground in the field interactions with the public have also been um, majority positive. Most people are uh, obeying or heeding the um, executive order to stay home, stay, stay lives save lives. See, I've been home for so long, I can't even talk anymore, folks. It's getting to me. Um, but anyway, most people are cool with it, so that's good. They're willing to work with us. However, if you're experiencing issues with um, what we'll call rogue visitors in the park, uh, we do have resources for you. We have things like flyers and signage and talking points for visitor interactions, things like that. 
So if you like those resources, they are on G Drive in a folder named COVID-19. Again, that is G Drive COVID-19. And that'll have lots of fun and informative tools for you to use uh, when your park is closed, which again is very weird. And I hope you are all doing well getting through it. And if you're in that folder and you're rooting around and things are kind of confusing or you need something a little more specific for your situation, totally cool. You can always email the Incident Command folks and that address is oprd.incidentcommand at oregon.gov. So again, that's oprd, period, incident command, all one word, at oregon.gov. And also, just a quick side note, that Incident Command team I keep referring to, uh, you may have also heard them uh, called AOC, which is an acronym that I cannot remember the name of at the moment. <laughs> See, I really did my research before I recorded this. But that's okay, because you know who does know the name or what AOC stands for? is M.G. Devereaux, and the interview with him and Lisa is up next, kids. So stay tuned for that. But before we transition into that, a quick word of, uh, I guess... Or rather a request. So I called Lisa and MG yesterday morning to talk about everything, and we did it all over um, over the internet on our phones using podcast software. So the audio quality is okay. It gets a little funky in some places. Sometimes the recordings overlap, so it'll seem like MG and Lisa may be interrupting me. That's not the case. Um, they're very they're very eloquent speakers, wonderful conversationalists. I had I had the best time. <laughs> But it may seem like they're interrupting me. They're not. That's just the software being weird. So please excuse any sort of quality issues. We're trying our best. Again, this is just a test. I mean, I threw this together in only a few days. So bear with us. But I hope you enjoy the interview with Lisa and MG. All right. For our very first interview for this strange new podcast that we're all doing together, I am joined by two of our leadership team or exec team from the agency. The first is Hi, the agency Hi, director, Matt. Alicia Sumption. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for being here. And the other person on the line today is our deputy director. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. Good to uh, speak to you today. Hi, MG. Thanks for being here. Uh, Lisa, if you could please uh, recap the last week or so, kind of where, we've, where we're at as an agency. Thanks, Matt. So I'm going to go back a couple of weeks because a lot has happened. And I think, um, you know, having the opportunity now to, to pause a little bit and kind of reflect on the incredible work that the team has done. Um, MG is going to talk a little bit more about who our our uh, AOC members are, but those works, those folks have been working tireless, tirelessly behind the scenes, trying to keep the agency operating and functioning and making really hard decisions very quickly and rapidly. And, and we recognize those have an impact on everybody within the organization. Um, I also want to recognize MG and Daniel. They've been having daily phone calls with their management team. And it's a really odd and interesting, much like this, this podcast process, right? Where you're, you're having a conversation with probably 30 to 70 folks, but you're the only one talking. <laughs> and you sometimes wonder, are there other people even there listening? But um, they are, and they're, they're appreciative of the information that's getting out. So I just want to give a big shout out to, to the folks that are, are doing things differently than they have in the past and um, keeping communication lines open 
while we are all alone but still together in this this pandemic. Um, so the first week of this, I think MG had mentioned it was it was right there around that first second week of of March. Um, the IT team did an incredible job of getting nearly all of the headquarters staff out of the office and teleworking. Um, which is something that we haven't really ever done in the past and trying to get those folks out well in advance of words like social distancing becoming a normal word that we hear in society. And so big, big shout out to, to the IT group for making sure that we were able to get folks able to telework and, and not be reacting um, um, amongst all the other agencies that were trying to get people out of the office. And then we kind of, we breathed a little bit there and then I don't think anybody anticipated that spring break weekend where everything was a crisis, primarily on, in the coastal communities, but the weather was like 70 degrees out. People were flocking to the beach and to the outdoors because it was kind of the last hurrah, right? They knew that come Monday, they were probably going to be following many other states and countries into this stay home episode. And so they came out in flocks and droves and our phones started ringing off the hooks Friday evening with rural and coastal communities begging us to ask our our visitors to leave, um, all the way down to taking actions at the local community level to, to actually say, if you don't live here, you need to go home. And those those were hard things to hear. And at the same time, recognizing that, think of the city of Warrington, for example, and it's 3,800 um, people is their total population. We had almost six, we can put 6,000 visitors in there in the campground. They have one grocery store they don't have a hospital. So we needed to start thinking more responsibly and, and putting our mission aside and doing what we could to help those communities get the, the big surge of folks out of their communities so they could take care of themselves in this pandemic. So that decision to shut down the entire system was, it was a tough one, but it was a necessary one. And we didn't take that lightly. We thought about, well, we could just close the coast, but we knew that once we closed one community, that would just surge another community. And that, that felt very irresponsible. So it was a very fast and hard decision, but it was a very deliberate decision to make sure that we were protecting all of our employees, all of our visitors, and all of our community partners in which we live and serve in. So the fact that our team was able to stand up and close down the entire system in 48 hours is an incredible feat. So I, from the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you for doing that. I know it was not an easy task. I know not everyone was super happy about it, but you guys rocked that, that the task. Um, and then obviously we got folks out and then we had to respond to that external push and anger. And a lot of folks were in different stages of denial and, and anger around this, right? There still were folks going, this isn't even real. It doesn't really matter. We can still go outside. We can still go here. We can still hang out together. And um, getting out in front of that, the communications team did an incredible job having those, those debates with, with the public to, to talk about the why we were shutting down and how we could come back to that when it was safe for us to do so. Started doing things like interpretive, virtual interpretive ranger opportunities like Whale Watch, Chris doing things like Ask Me Anything on Facebook, which was a very brave, but oh my gosh, cool thing. If any didn't see it, go watch it. Um, so now we're kind of into that. Yeah, we're kind of great. into that shifting gear piece, right? Now we not need to focus in on the parks are closed, visitors aren't coming, people are not working in the building at headquarters. We're working differently, right? And so we've got to now start shifting our gears and refocus on, on kind of what the that next level of this pandemic looks like on our workforce and our agency and how we can be best.
to reopen to Oregon when Oregon is safe for us to reopen to her. Awesome. Um, thank you. That was a very succinct summary of what feels like 17 years in the last, what, three weeks here. So thank you for that. Um, so I guess we know that the current target date to reopen, uh, Lisa, is May 8th. Today, which is April 1st, um, in your view, how realistic is that is that open date? So, Matt, I mean, that, that that's a really hard one to answer. I mean, ideally, I'd love to say, yep, May 8th, we're going to be wide open and ready for business, and we're going to invite people back out to the outdoors. The one thing that we have learned about this global pandemic in the last three weeks is it is very unpredictable, right? We don't know. Things change by the hour. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we're going to continue to focus on May 8th, but we're also going to be ready in the event that May 8th is not realistic. How can we be better prepared to make sure we can continue to do good work to get the system ready when it is appropriate for us to open back up? So I'd love to say I have a crystal ball and I could tell you May 8th is it, but I, I can't give mm -hmm. you complete confidence that that's the date that we will reopen. Um, well, okay. Well then let's, let's shift. So, so let's say that Oregonians crush social distancing. We crush stay home, stay safe as we all know that we will. <laughs> and we are given the okay, you know, gotta, gotta stay positive in these, in these dark times. So, um, uh, so, all right. So let's say adios to Corona, hypothetically May 8th swings around, we get the okay. We open back up the parks. Um, I guess what will our main focus be? that point or like I guess what will we be preparing for what should we watch out for so at that point right we'll be welcoming people back um, I, I think the important thing for us to remember is even if all of those optimistic things happen much like any other disaster <laughs> for those of us that have been around a while and survived like 9-11 right there there will be different norms right the the normal will not be the normal there will be a new normal so we'll be looking at how do we welcome people back safely um, what additional social distance mm -hmm. measures will we continue to take into the future? So we're we're more cautious going forward. So it'll be it'll be focusing in on welcoming folks back as safely as we can welcome folks back. Ah, awesome. Um, okay, MG, uh, we're going to uh, transition over to you now. So I know Lisa briefly touched on uh, some of the measures being taken at HQ as far as uh, sending some staff home to work from home and whatnot. So I was hoping you could expand on more what we've been doing as an agency, both um, in HQ and in the field, as far as, you know, how do you practice social distancing measures, steps we've been taking, um, things like that to keep keep our staff safe. Yeah, so that that's a great question, Matt. And, you know, one of the things that uh, the field has been working on very carefully is, you know, what does it look like in this situation that you know business is not normal if this were a, a typical april day then you know we'd be getting ready for a big season we'd have uh, lots of uh, visitors that are coming in for uh, either the end of spring break or starting to think about what summer looks like and right now that's just not the case and so we're trying to really focus that work based on some uh, very key principles, the, the first of that being uh, staff safety. Uh, how do we make sure that the jobs that we're doing have that social distancing piece built into them? 
each of our managers has been charged with uh, you know, looking at social distancing in all of the parks to make sure that uh, when we're uh, approaching work, we've got uh, the right uh, ways to think about how we do that from that six foot boundary. And that requires a lot of work on our job hazard analysis too. We wanna make sure that the work that we're doing primarily focused right now on that resource protection of our parks, uh, trying to educate those folks that are showing up to parks to say, hey, this isn't the best place for you to be right now. And really trying to make sure that uh, they understand the reason that we've got the shutdown in place at this moment. A lot of that's about crew communication and really making sure that uh, we've got good dialogue between all of our team members uh, to understand that we we have to do things uh, a little bit differently. And so uh, while the last couple weeks have been really focused on getting people out and hopefully educating them to stay out, uh, we're really going to then look at this next period of time of how do we enforce that message of uh, reinforce that message of safety uh, in our, our our project work as it comes through. Hoping that May 8th is something uh, that uh, happens and that we can reopen the parks to visitors, uh, making sure we're ready for those visitors to show up, giving the opportunity now to look at our facilities, take care of some of those immediate safety issues, uh, think about the resource protection things that we need. But the reality is, is we're also preparing for other scenarios that if uh, May 8th isn't the right uh, time to open because of uh, the status of uh, the virus, how do we also start to prepare for uh, a longer term shutdown and, and what does that mean? Obviously, everybody knows that that has uh, some financial implications for the agency and our goal is to make sure that we can continue to do meaningful work uh, for as long as possible uh, to protect those resources of the state of Oregon and, and our park system. And so uh, the directors group and the members of the incident command team are really looking at making sure that the work that gets uh, performed in this next little while uh, really gets to those goals of uh, making sure that we can do things safely, making sure that the work that gets done is uh, for a larger agency purpose, but also being uh, fiscally responsible in this time. Until we can let visitors back into parks, we're gonna have to really make sure that uh, the resource choices that we make, uh, both for our staff and for our uh, financial decisions uh, are ones that we can sustain for uh, a longer period of time while we don't have revenue coming through the door. Okay. Um, and actually, you you touched on this a little bit in your answer. I was just wondering if you, um, from what you've been hearing, as far as um, if is is our are Oregonians um, obeying the 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 closures of the parks? Have you heard anything from either managers or rangers about uh, people who think uh, the rules do not apply to them? Maybe like trespassing or any anything like <laughs> so, that. So uh, <laughs> yes, you know Oregonians have a a strong okay. uh, a strong love of the outdoors, and uh, many folks have a sense that. Uh, the rules apply to somebody else, and uh, there's there's a great opportunity to be out in a park right now because it's closed. Or we have parks that are close to population centers. 
uh, Fort Stevens, South Beach, the Devil's beach. Lake, Tryon Creek, the, the beach, which, you know, the ocean shore isn't closed right now. The accesses to it are. So really walking that fine line of knowing that we have places that are somebody's neighborhood opportunity to get out from uh, the, the quarantine uh, situation that they uh, hopefully are placing themselves in to stay home and, and to stay safe, uh, but also the, the need to get out. And so our ranger staff are really in a, in a tough position in some places of we don't want them wrestling people to the ground and, you know, kicking them out, a wrestling them to the ground is uh, not good social distancing. Uh, but, but this is an opportunity for us to educate and, and really the public needs to be engaged in this conversation along with our staff. They're, they're the ones that have to understand mm -hmm. that uh, staying home is the right thing to do for our healthcare system, for the doctors, the nurses that are uh, putting their lives on the line in some of our communities across the country and probably here in the state very, very shortly. Uh, and uh, hopefully that education message gets through. Now we haven't had reports of you know large gatherings. We haven't had any uh, raves at Tryon Creek or you know giant uh, <laughs> out of control Easter egg hunts in in some of our our places. But you know we have situations where uh, there's a funnel point into a bathroom, and so if if ten people are walking on a trail in Tryon Creek and they just all happen to come to uh, the restroom at the same time, suddenly that's a an issue that that we have social distancing challenges with. So it, it is putting our staff in, in some difficult positions and we're trying to get some, uh, some better clear guidance, but a lot of that is going to be individual contacts from our staff to hopefully uh, get the right message across. If this closure goes in for a longer period of time, we know there's gonna be pressure from some of our local communities to say, hey, you should open up for uh, locals. The problem is, and if anybody watched Chris's awesome uh, <laughs> uh, Facebook uh, live stream, you know that that's, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. We don't have, uh, we don't have a, a local sticker on driver's licenses or annual passes or things like that. And so it's difficult to hold a message that says some people can come in and some people can't. We've even extended this over to uh, some of our contractors and volunteers. If there's not an overwhelming need uh, for uh, somebody who is not staffed to be in the park, um, we're, we're trying to turn those folks away, uh, even if there's a, a benefit that could happen to the agency in terms of getting a contract done. I think the rare exceptions that we're making are if it's a permit requirement, if it's legally required that we continue to do some sort of work, those are really the only exceptions that we're trying to uh, to make and, and really hold hold fast to that notion that parks right now are, are for uh, staff to be able to protect those resources. Uh, the visitors really need to try to make some other choices closer to home. That's awesome, MG, and I would add to that, Matt, the other piece that um, we need to continue to message out, whether it's from our staff or just generally to the public, um, is making sure that folks recognize that they, they think just by going out, a couple of them going out to a rural place to be able to recreate, that travel really is not essential. And by going into that community, it may seem like mm -hmm. you're able to keep thing, but if you end up 
having a heart attack, breaking a, a leg or an arm and needing, you know, medical emergency staff to, to help you out, those folks are telling us that they're not available. They can't meet those needs. They need to be focusing in on their, their community medical needs around the, the virus. So it, it's, it's that education of folks and, and that's going to take, it's going to take a, that's going to take all of Oregon to get that message out because I think it, it, it needs to be clear to folks mm-hmm. that it seems like you're driving there and you're the only one there, but things still happen. Yeah. And I know just from the kind of uh, the, the communications division side of things, since we've been dealing with a lot of the, you know, the online messaging as far as the park closure and other COVID related changes. Um, yeah. At first there was a, there was a minority, but there was a local minority of people who were very upset with uh, the parks being closed and a couple, a couple of other of our decisions. But I would say the overwhelming majority of comments were very positive, and it, it was a lot of thank you for doing this. You know, we know this is not ideal, but it's the right thing to do in this, in this situation. So, and I know that the online sphere <laughs> isn't the be all end all of you know our customers, but I just think it seems like from what you and MG have been saying that you know, from the reality on the ground and then what we've been seeing online is that most people are doing the right thing and they're staying home and they're staying out of parks and staying six feet away from people. So it's 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 good to hear that the online and the real world are aligning for once, I think for the first and last time ever. And probably, probably another so, important shout out would be the coordination efforts of the other recreation providers in the state of Oregon. What we are hearing from our brothers and sisters across the country is they've not been able to coordinate. And so by one staying open and one not, that creates confusion for the public. And so um, mm-hmm. we've, we've done a tremendous job as a team getting the, those conversations happening with the other recreation providers, the federal, state, and local providers as well. So, Yeah, that's that, that's good to hear. And actually, I'll, I'll kind of off the question or off the cuff question for you, Lisa. So um, have you been in kind of like in kind of contact with other um, in in Oregon agency directors like Fish and Wildlife or, you know, Department of Forestry, stuff like that? Yeah, about, so I am about COVID on stuff? daily phone calls with most of the other agency directors um, coordinating our efforts around COVID. In addition, we're also having the same conversations nationally through the National Association of State Park Directors. So mm-hmm. um Ironically, the weekend that we were going through closures, all of my peers across the country are like, you're crazy. We're promoting recreation. And then last weekend, they were all calling us and saying, oh, my God, what do you do? How do you close it down? Help. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. just um, I'm just glad that we all didn't have to go at the same time and that some of us could breathe and sleep and be there to support each other. So, yeah, we are in, all in close communication at the NMG has been very closely connected with the the local level as well. So with the city and county and special district park. So we've Excellent. done a lot of great cross collaboration with our other provider partners. Cool. That's good to hear. Um, well, okay. So we'll move on to our last topic here since I know you guys uh, probably have very many people to call and other, other important things to do. So um, MG, uh, you and Lisa have referenced um something called incident command, or some people may have heard uh, the term AOC floating around, and it's not the congresswoman from uh, New York. It's actually, it's a group of people and it's a thing, right? So <laughs> I guess, what is 
the AOC and who is uh, that? Yeah, Matt, that's a, a great question because <laughs> that's uh, something that I've, I've thought a couple times as well. And a nice vision. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, uh, as, as part of the executive branch, um, we are plugged into the larger uh, emergency management infrastructure. And um, one of the things that we learned from the uh, preparation for the eclipse is there's there's a network of uh, other agencies that get together when there is a, a disaster of some sort, and they interface through an incident command system, which is an internationally recognized way of sort of organizing a group of people uh, to approach uh, a disaster or a critical situation. Uh, our agency really hasn't had to stand up um, an incident command or an agency operation center, the AOC, too often. Um, usually it's we uh, interface uh, on the side with maybe uh, the Department of Forestry when they're fighting a fire. We thought that this was going to be um, something that we would need to have a coordinated response uh, to very early on. And so uh, the original core team for the operations center was myself as the incident commander, Eric Timmons uh, taking responsibility for uh, logistics decisions, how to get information and um and materials and guidance to uh, staff that were involved in the incident. Uh, Chaz Van Gendren uh, looking over sort of the planning section of, so what's coming down the pike? What do we need to be prepared for? Uh, how do we uh, organize decisions so that we're uh, a little bit ahead of the game? Uh, Rebecca Jasso has uh, headed up our administration uh, section, which is really about what are the uh, the financial decisions, the policy decisions that uh, we have to think about in terms of how we're uh, paying for some of this response, uh, what our revenue impacts might be, how we code some of those uh, decisions that we're making. So if uh, FEMA or disaster money is available at the other end, that that's there. Jennifer Crane has been advising us on uh, HR implications. Obviously, with a pandemic, there are specific things that we want to make sure we get right from uh, the HR world and guidance about um, how we interpret uh, some of the information that's coming from DAS and others about uh, managing the uh, the workplace when it's a telework or uh, figuring out the essential versus non-essential staff designations. And uh, uh, then uh, originally, uh, Chris Havel was uh, looking out for our communication uh, uh, goals, which are, you know, so how do we put this all together so that we can deliver good, concise, consistent messages internally and externally? Uh, Chris is so good at his job that he uh, often gets <laughs> uh, tagged to uh, go play at, at some of the larger tables. And so we recently uh, lost Chris to uh, go be a PIO for the statewide emergency management uh, group. They um, they need folks from other teams to come in and help spell them. Uh, they're, they're dealing with this on a statewide level, and so their folks get uh, – uh, chewed up pretty quick, I guess, is the best way to say uh, that. And so uh, Chris has offered his services out there. But 
Uh, Joe Niehaus has been uh, amazing to be his backup, and uh, now Joe uh, and Jason and the rest of the Comdiv uh, group is is really rallying around that uh, uh, that communication piece. Out of each of those buckets, there are a whole group of folks that help support those decisions. So the OSMs, a couple of the district managers, uh, Daniel uh, Killam, uh, Chrissy Curran, the uh, directors group are, are really all focused in on, on that, the region managers to help give context and help make sure that uh, the decisions that we make are, are moving forward. The incident command team will be up and running as long as uh, we have uh, responses that we need to communicate and coordinate uh, around this disaster. We'll probably need to rotate people out just like Chris has rotated out to Oregon Emergency Management. Um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of work mm -hmm. that goes into these decisions. And so as folks need a break, uh, a safety stand down, if you will, uh, to to go get some rest, uh, not have to be uh, so involved in some of the, the crisis management part of it, we'll be tapping on other people as well. Some of the things that we're working on now that the sort of initial wave of how do we respond to parks, uh, the work that we're thinking about is what are those next uh, issues that we've got to, to work on. How do we get projects done? How do we maintain financial security in this time uh, when we don't have uh, revenue coming in? How do we help make those decisions to guide uh, our work so that we've got meaningful work uh, that can that can contribute to the health of the park system in a way that uh, sometimes folks can't do their job the way that they, they used to do it. Uh, our stewardship folks uh, not being able to get out into the field right now and do uh, inspections or uh, surveys that sort of really uh, recasting some of the things that that uh, they can do. And so that's the next piece of uh, sort of guidance that will be coming out from uh, the incident command team and the agency operations center is how do we start to really refocus uh, some of our staff efforts when folks are working from home or working remotely uh, or just don't have that uh, that day-to-day -day contact with some of the folks that they they normally had. Awesome. And um, and the AOC is still sending out their uh, weekly updates. On they the are. Friday, and correct? I'd also we'll give a, a pitch for there's a if, okay. if you have access to the G drive, there's a, a COVID-19 file in the G drive that has all of the uh, frequently asked questions and information, those are great resources for folks when they have questions about uh, some of the uh, the detailed answers about uh, the guidance that we've delivered, whether it's cleaning standards, whether it's um, you know making sure that if uh, mm -hmm. you're not feeling well and you stay home, uh, how to talk to your uh, your manager, your employees about, uh, what some of those processes and procedures are in terms of leave time and um, just general uh, general guidance about uh, what the event means for us right now. So, uh, Lisa, as we as we wrap up our conversation here, um, do you have any, I guess, uh, uh, parting parting words or parting wisdom? Uh, Thanks, Matt. For, I do. So, I just want to say thank you to everyone. I know this has been a very trying time, not only for for the world, our country, our state, but our team. I know everybody has a lot of anxiety about the 
the pandemic and our unemployment rate is higher than it's ever been. I know that everyone knows somebody who's impacted or affected at this point. So I know that everybody is, is very anxious. Um, but I also want to make sure that we're, we're, we're highlighting the fact that we are an incredibly strong organization. We're an incredibly strong team. And as long as we stay OPRD strong and we stay focused and we stay disciplined, we're going to weather this together. So I just want to say thank you for being OPRD um, and as MG created OPRD Strong, um, I, I'm confident that we, we've got this. It, it's going to be rocky. It's going to be bumpy. You're going to have to give each other some grace and some space to be able to, to weather through this together. But I, I couldn't be more proud to be serving with and for this team. So thank you all for everything that you've done over the last three weeks and will continue to do, hopefully, between now and May 8th. All right. Uh, well, thank you for laying all that out. Um, that concludes the questions I had prepared for you guys. So, and I know you've been chatting for a while and you guys have other important things. So thank you both for taking the time to speak to me today on this weird new podcast thing. Thank you thank for you, creating man. the opportunity and going first. Uh, they're both great, aren't they? Thanks again to Lisa and MG for taking, uh, about an hour of their day because what you didn't hear from that conversation was all the technical issues and echoes and weird things that I cut. <laughs> Hooray for the internet, right? But um, thank you both to them again for their uh, candidness and willingness to uh, do this strange new sort of podcast thing that we're trying out. And in that vein, I want to make a request from you, dear listener. Um, we want to know what you think. Is this podcast thing something you would like to see more of in the future um not just like an interview you know not just interviewing people in general but just like is a podcast something that would help you digest information about the agency is this a good delivery method for you does this work for your schedule um besides the weird technical limitations that i'm currently dealing with um, well, does it work for your life? Is this something that you can listen to? I mean, I'm assuming you can listen to this on your phone. So will this work for you? Let me know, um, both positive and negative feedback. I will take it all. You can send me a note at matt.noble at oregon.gov. And that is two T's in Matt in case one breaks down. And Noble is spelled N-O-B-L-E. You can also give me a call on my cell with my new work cell phone, the number of which I've forgotten. So if you've ever got an email from me, just um, call my desk phone. It'll reroute to my cell phone. Don't worry about it. Once again, I am super prepared for this podcast. All right, so wrapping up here, just a couple other things to note uh, about things coming up. So the uh, Spring Whale Watch week technically ended uh, last Sunday, I think. However, because the overwhelming response online was so positive and people want to see the whales because everyone's stuck at home, um, Ranger, Ranger Luke and uh, the Depot Bay uh, Whale Watching Center have made it happen. So the whale watching will continue three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I believe Luke has the camera on, I think, from 10 to 1. It's, it's somewhere on, it's somewhere on mid midday. But um, that's streaming on our YouTube channel, so that's just just search Oregon State Parks on YouTube. You can tune in, uh, listen to Luke uh, spotting whales and spouting facts, and just being an all-around great ranger. 
Um, and also just a on a more personal note uh, th and something that leadership wanted me to convey, um, a shout out to our volunteers. Thank you to any volunteers who are, who are listening to this and who are still with us, helping us out in the parks. Volunteers are an incredibly vital part of our operations and we are very grateful that you have stuck on with us during these honestly scary times with coronavirus and your efforts are very welcome and we thank you. And finally, for anyone who is following any uh, social media stuff from Oregon State Parks, we're doing a couple fun things in the next few weeks. We've tried to really step up our engagement with the public because, like I said, everyone's stuck at home and they're online just, you know, whittling away the time, basically. So we're trying to cater to that. We're doing some Trivia Tuesdays with Park Facts. Uh, we're doing Throwback Thursdays with old, uh, old-timey old park photos that we have floating around in the archives. We're doing a J.R. Beaver Challenge next week. Again, I'm not entirely sure what that is, but check out our social media. It'll be a surprise. Um, we're also doing a campaign about uh, building a, uh, you know, kind of like build your own campsite in your backyard or, you know, tent, tent camping in your backyard. Things to just try to engage people, keep them thinking about parks while they're home. Alright, well, I'm going to wrap up this episode finally. It's officially done. Episode 0, beta. It's over. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you going on this little journey with me and for taking a leap of faith. As remember, I talk into my phone in sweatpants in my bedroom. So thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Wash your hands. And I will hopefully talk to you again very soon. See you later.